0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Molly Movie Club. I'm Casey Muratori.
1: And I'm Anna Rutberg.
0: And this is Akira. Akira. A- Akira. 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 Probably. So, this movie is a animation classic. It is, you know, going to be in. If you ever look at a list of top animated movies, this is going to be up there somewhere. And for good reason. There are very few films that have this level of detail that are animated. It's kind of like, uh, amusingly, since Blade Runner also kind of depicts a city in a similar state to the one depicted in this movie, the level of detail is Blade Runner-esque. Like, every scene seems to have a tremendous amount of detail in the background paintings, in the animation, in, you know, what we would now call particle effects, but... (laughs) Back then are hand-drawn, you know, animated things like smoke and, you know, sparks and all these sorts of things. It's just ridiculously detailed for an animated film. I don't think I've ever seen another animated film, even though we now have tremendously more advanced technology, even for 2D animation. I've never seen anything with this level of detail uh, since or before, obviously.
1: I feel like this movie and Blade Runner have a lot in common. They do. I think, honestly, they're the only two movies I can think of that really effectively do capture that sort of like cyberpunk dystopian future thing.
0: Um, and neither are really cyberpunk, which is interesting. like they don't they no. don't kind of feel like they're cyberpunk fiction. Because they don't have a lot of, like, you know, neural implant uh, hacking, like these sorts of things no, in no, them. but the like world. Like Ghost in the Shell does, for example. Sure. But the world is, like, this is the world they were all thinking of. Like, yeah. they depicted the world that those things always take yeah. place and, in, and, and they I, do it pretty perfectly. And I think
1: Akira does the same thing that Blade Runner does, which is sort of kind of let you—you you feel like you're capturing this, like, slice— of some events that are happening in a complex world with a lot going on in it. Yes. Uh, Like, you know, throughout this movie, you see that there's, like, protests happening. Um, They are not a main point of the movie at all. No. But they just fill out this world and they make it, they give it this really bleak feeling. It feels like there was a lot of thought put into the world that, that the story is taking place in.
0: Well, this is obviously an adapted movie it was originally i'm assuming much longer uh probably yeah i mean i i even recall reading that they you know had to basically do a bunch of thinking about how they were going to condense the story down into something that would you know fit properly at least that was my recollection and so you know i think ghost in the shell which we did previously on the movie club Has a similar sort of feel to it. Like I, I assume that this is just sort of what happens when you take a more sort of sprawling work, which I think a lot of the manga series like would naturally be, because they come out episodically. They're more like a tale of two cities, right? They've got a lot of sort of episodic content to them, and you're trying to go like, okay, now how does this make a ninety-minute or a two-hour experience? And, you know, you're going to have this struggle to kind of put things together. And the
1: structures are normally not going to be... Like, the structure of the story isn't going to line up with, like, a traditional movie structure.
0: Yeah. So you're kind of coming at it sideways. And you definitely notice that in those films. However, in this film, I would say they do a much better job of sort of making it feel like a coherent whole. Ghost in the Shell, I felt like you felt like you felt like there was a lot more missing from ghost in the shell where you're just like it didn't quite add up it didn't quite add up to a thing that really felt like a full experience whereas uh in akira it feels more like it feels more like there's a lot of stuff probably left out that i would like to have seen but it feels like there's enough there that i would actually engaged in it in a way that I wasn't in Ghost in the Shell. So I feel I feel like I I've, I've always really preferred this one a lot more. I enjoy watching it a lot more than I did Ghost in the Shell.
1: I mean I think the also the spectacle of this movie is is quite a bit more impressive than Ghost in the Shell. Oh Show. it's
0: remarkable. Yes. Um,
1: it's a pretty remarkable looking movie. I'm actually going to have a hot take here. Okay. I'm going to have a hot take, a controversial take.
0: Oh, uh-oh. Oh. This is I think oh. the
1: fourth time I've seen this movie. All the previous times I watched it in Japanese with the English subtitles. And this time uh, I just put in the Blu-ray and it happened to be playing the English Mm -hmm. dub. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, I'll leave it on. I've seen this before. And I actually understood the movie so much better on this viewing. I was like, oh, I get what's happening now. And I I almost felt like I was watching it for the first time because I was actually able to really look at the imagery and... I feel like I was able to appreciate the movie so much more. And obviously that's not a popular take. I think everyone thinks that, you know, you should always you know, watch things in the original language. But I think in the case of some of these animated things, there is a benefit to also watching the English version. There's so much talking and dialogue in this movie that you spend a lot of time reading, And that time reading is not spent looking at the images.
0: I would say that this movie in particular, it's hard to watch the subtitled version of simply because there's so much to see on screen that if you, yeah, if your eye is constantly darting down to the bottom to read the subtitles. And, you know, really, if you can't understand the Japanese just natively, then I think a dubbed version is actually probably preferable here as well because also it's not like the subtitles are written by some kind of amazing (laughs) linguistic you know poetic english speaker either like usually subtitles are usually just as bad as dub a lot of the time in terms of like the quality of like what's being said and how well it captures what's going on so you know unless it's one of these um movies that has like a particularly bad dub which of course there are and this was not it was it wasn't exceptional but it was fine i mean i
1: would I would say I'd put, totally it on this, fine. I'd put it on a similar level to the Japanese version
0: in it terms. Totally of, in terms
1: of like the quality of the voice acting. Um, um,
0: but like, yeah, I agree. I, I would watch it I would watch it dubbed. And and that's because you really just don't want to. It's such a visually impressive film that you really just don't want to be looking down at subtitles because you're gonna miss all of the richness and detail that they put into all these frames. And uh, you know, it's it's just not worth it.
1: Well and I think that's what happened is this time. Because I think in the, when I'm watching the Japanese version, I don't end up reading that much. I'm I'm I am looking you at ignore the images it and watch more, the image, yeah. and so it be, but when that happens, you kind of are missing out on a lot of what's actually happening plot wise, and so you kind of end up being like confused or just not really understanding. And that would toward the end, especially I remember that happening. From before when I was like, I don't really get what's going on here. And this time I was like, oh, I understand how all these things like are. what's happening here for the first time, genuinely watching this movie. And I just think it's because I wasn't having to constantly be like jumping back and forth between reading and looking at the the amazing imagery.
0: So I would say I wanted to mention something about the imagery, too, that I think is really remarkable in this film. Definitely not true of Ghost in the Shell, not true of most animated movies in general is that, for lack of a better term, the cinematography in this movie is exceptionally good. It's far better than you see in animated movies pretty much ever. And what I mean by that is that unlike a normal animated movie where I feel like most of the time they're kind of just trying to make do with like, okay, so we're going to paint a backdrop and we're going to animate some characters on it. And we just are trying to do the animation so that it looks good or whatever. Here, it felt like they were trying to do more with the idea just of, like, what are we depicting and how are we depicting it? And to give some simple examples of the sorts of things that you see in this film that you really just do not see in animated films, hardly ever. There's a shot of the head wrap from Tetsuo, the first time he escapes from the treatment facility, uh, the research facility, I should say. There's a shot of it just blowing, like, on the pavement against the motorcycle. That's the kind of thing that a artsy filmmaker shoots in live action. You never see that kind of thing in an animated film. Mm-hmm. There is a shot where... um Uh, In fact, I think it's even in that same scene where the police, the military police, are forcing um, Kaneda down on the pavement. Mm -hmm. And he's straining his head up to look to see what they're doing to Tetsuo. And you see the shot. From the ground, shot upward, but so that you can't quite see the top of it, right? Just like it's his POV, and it creates a really interesting shot of the guy's legs walking Mm -hmm, back, mm -hmm, right? Yeah. These are the kinds of things that filmmakers who are thinking a lot about the artistry of their shots do, and about the camera, And in a way that you just don't see that, like, you know, even in Disney films where they were trying to do artsy stuff with multi cameras and all that stuff, you just don't see this kind of creativity very often in anime. It's very, very rare. You have to hunt for these sorts of things. And Akira is doing it all the time. It's doing stuff like that. It's doing dream sequences where people are having these weird hallucinations and, and, you know, like the one where uh tetsuo for the first time remembers the uh the orphanage in which he was raised. i don't know if it's technically called an orphanage but it's basically a place for children who don't have parents i'm not sure what it would be called in japanese but they had a word for it in the in in the english that was not orphanage yeah um it was like lost children's home or something i don't know they they had some word for it that was not orphanage but i interpreted as orphanage basically um and you know, it shows these things like the ground kind of crumbling towards his feet. Mm -hmm. And it's like a mixture of his actual memory of that orphanage plus things that are obviously not things that happened to that orphanage. And I just like constantly throughout this film, I'm just really impressed by how much thought it looks like they put into what they are showing. And I just, I never see that in animated films.
1: For me, One of my favorite scenes, it's actually a scene that I've just rewatched a bunch, is one of the early scenes, the first motorcycle scene uh, where they leave, they take off on the motorcycles, and it's the first time you really see the city, and they're going through the city. That entire sequence is incredible. Yes, it is. The music, the atmosphere, the effects with the bikes where the lights kind of, it's almost like a Tron effect. It's just, it's so amazing. And I think it has a lot of what you were just talking about, if you look at if you watch that scene and look at the way they've set up a lot of the shots
0: yeah um, they shoot the wheels of the bike or, or the scene, side of the building or that you know there's a
1: shot i think of scraping where, the pipe yeah, on I the ground say, that's Yeah, that's what i was gonna say scraping the pipe you know little these little details uh and it's just so impressive i think one of the most impressive i mean I, one of the most impressive there's so many impressive scenes uh especially as an artist as somebody who draws um I find this movie absolutely mind blowing. I don't know how it was possible. Uh, one of the the craziest things is the and all the toys
0: yes. go together
1: to create these like creepy the giant teddy bear, right, and the giant toy car, yeah. and the giant rabbit, and all these toys are floating together to make that. That's not CG. That's hand drawn. It's it's mind blowing. In fact, it I is. don't think there's there's no CG in this movie at all. As far as I know, yeah, I mean, it's I, all hand drawn in
0: that era. I'm pretty sure the only thing they might have had is CG composition, but they wouldn't have. I don't think they would have had the capability. We didn't really have the technology to do anything like that in CG at that in that time. That wouldn't have looked like crap.
1: I have um, a book. It's called like Otomo, I think. Yeah, who's the director? And, yeah, uh, it has the, st- the 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 the, the hand drawn cells basically from this movie, many of them, and uh, and some of them are in flipbook form or whatever and um and it has like repl- replicas of the the cells that you can flip on top of it and like i remember seeing some of the drawings from that that particular scene in it with the, all the little toys coming up and i was just like oh my god like this someone yeah. drew this
0: <laughs> yeah. another one that i remember very specifically similar to that is i mean d- Add to that the fact that there are so many shots with that kind of thing. There are so many shots you can with pick things. Out, you can pick like, out from
1: any point in this movie, like things crumbling
0: yeah. or exploding, or like you know uh, when when these undergoing the the horrific like body transformation at the end. There's all these like oh circuits God. and and like blood vessels and even stuff. just stuff like it's vehicles. So detailed vehicles yes.
1: rotating and moving around in three dimensions.
0: They just look fabulous. But uh, well, I was going to say one shot that stood out to me in particular. Is there is a shot of someone basically wiping out and rolling on the pavement, mm-hmm. and I mean it just looks oh, incredible in, slow-mo. in, in slow-mo. slow motion, and is these like clothes are like moving just like clothes would move, but not as meticulous as a rotoscope looks, so it's like it looks like they just eyeballed it and got it perfect in like a James Baxtery kind of way and it just looks amazing. Yeah. Um
1: I think it's it's in that way is the most impressive animated film that I have ever seen.
0: I would agree. I, I can't think of another animated film that really comes close to this for that kind of artistry. It's just remarkable and I, I just don't even want to know how much work it was to draw this thing. I mean it I must have been so many people for so many hours. It's just it's just insane.
1: I mean, I think one of the things I love about Japanese animation in general compared to, you know, the American sort like of Disney romantic kind of realism thing, yeah. style is the attention to detail. I mean, you see this in Miyazaki films a lot, the attention to detail in terms of, like, people's behavior. You see this, that's, like, something that really comes through in Miyazaki films
0: mm-hmm.
1: is, like, that careful observation of humans and how they move and how they behave and at and like making sure to capture that. And this movie is do it uh, is doing something kind of different in terms of ob- observation of the real world, but it's so meticulous. Yes. And just like the yeah, like you say the amount of work, the amount of hours, it's just hard to wrap my head around how this movie ever actually happened.
0: And you know, I think that's a understandable question to have because it never happened again. You can't point to another movie that that ever did this, right? That's what it's one of those things. That's you know, when we're talking about similarities to Blade Runner, it's the same thing. It's like we got this level of detail once. It was probably excruciatingly painful to achieve, and no one ever did it since. And that was true of Blade Runner. It's true of this movie. I've never seen an animated movie. Uh, this director did another one. I think he did. Um, steam boy and you know but so even the same people they they didn't manage to do it again right and and i don't know that you could i don't know you'd want to after probably i can only imagine right i said like how much work it was to do but it really is a special film and it's one of those ones i would recommend everyone watch for this reason because it just kind of shows you like the possibilities it's one of those things that i wish people spent more time like these days everyone's talking about you know ai technology and all these sorts of things really i would love to see people try to make animation tools that allow us to make a movie like this again because like it's one of those things that's such a unique cultural artifact and the amount of work that went into it's probably just never going to be duplicated unless we somehow figure out a way to give artists the ability to do more because it clearly was just it's an unachievable peak like no one else has ever been able to climb back up there. So it's like, we obviously need better tools or something uh, to ever get this kind of thing again.
1: I mean, maybe, but but part of the amazing thing is knowing that a human drew every frame. You know, you can have tools that try to, you know, do in-betweens that are really detailed or whatever, but then, but it's not the same. It's not.
0: It's not the same. And, but I think, I guess what I'm saying is this is, that's it. You got this one. Like, <laughs> we will never be able to do it again. So the best we can do is maybe hope to someday produce tools that allow people, a smaller team, um, to try to mount another thing like this. Because it's like, it's pretty obvious that they did something that no one's ever mm-hmm. going to even try again, as far as I can tell.
1: I mean, I'm going to shift a little bit maybe to the... Plot. Yeah, I and mean, story I think we, because, we can all
0: agree that the visuals of this movie have to be seen.
1: Exactly. Uh, I mean, and, and you need uh, to see them. And I would say too, if you ever have the chance to see this in a theater, actually, the very first time I ever saw it mm-hmm. was at the Cinerama, same here, Seattle yeah. Cinerama, and uh, it was mind blowing to yeah. see that on the big screen, just absolutely mind blowing. So, yeah, it, it's the spectacle of this movie is is it's one of those rare movies where the spectacle is just one of a kind and and needs to be seen. So. Yep. Um, the story though, on the other hand, I feel like there's some very interesting stuff going on and I don't think it's like a total disaster or anything. Um, but I do think it has some of the same problems of stuff we talked before where you try to condense stuff down and it feels like some of it's not quite developed enough, maybe. Um,
0: yeah, I guess I would say I like the story in this tremendously more than, um, like like I said, we compared to Ghost in the Shell. Oh, absolutely. Or Me too. Yeah. Anything like that. I, I really think that most of it works. Mm-hmm. There's just a few things to the story where I just feel like, okay, we needed more here. Like we needed this to be developed better.
1: Yeah. The thing I felt like but, I kept wanting more or to understand better was what exactly was Tetsuo's like, relationship with Akira and why was he trying to find him? Like, I think one of the things I liked is... Wait, what? I didn't understand. I, I, I wasn't really clear, like, why Tetsuo was, like, looking for Akira.
0: Oh, well, so, I mean, there's sort of an explanation for that in the movie, but I guess, you know, it depends on what you consider an explanation, right? So, in the... When it first starts, when he has the when he first has the operation, well, he hears
1: the name. He hears the name in his head.
0: Yeah, uh, Akira is apparently like calling to him, right? So and he's just, angry. That's just
1: the explanation. Is he wants to? He's he's trying. He's
0: angry. He blamed Akira for, okay, so he, he for what's happening to him. Wa- he
1: basically thinks that it's Akira's fault, and he's trying to find him to get him to like fix it or stop no, it. No, I think because like Tetsuo at this point is like the thing. Because I was gonna say the thing I actually really liked. I liked that there was actually some thought given to Tetsuo's character and, like, why he would respond this way when given these powers, right? He's, like, a kid who always got, you know, shit on by everyone else and got bullied, and he gets a taste of power, and it makes sense why he would become this sort of, like, hateful being.
0: So I don't think there's anything particularly deep there to expand on. I think that was just, like, basically what was happening. I agree that i would have liked a little bit more in general about akira because the weird part about it is i didn't really understand the relationship between akira and the other people uh, the other children. children so it's implied because there's like the doctor who studies this stuff it's implied that somehow there's like this sort of like resonant frequency thing that he's got a little like diagram. He has of. some
1: way of like measuring he's their like, ability. or He's whatever. looking
0: at people's like patterns relative to Akira, like as if Akira has is some kind of like carrier frequency that these people are picking up on or something.
1: I, I interpret that as that Akira has like the most powerful one that they have ever detected. Something and, like this. And that's what they're comparing it. Against but not necessarily
0: of- because, again, they're overlaying the patterns, which means that other pattern is still happening or something. So, yeah. again, that part really underdeveloped. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more information because so much stuff seems to hinge on that. Like this whole program where they're like, we're trying to harness this power. Like what power? Like what do you mean you're trying to harness it? What operation are you doing to these kids exactly? Like it didn't really quite line up. And I was fine with it. I'm fine with it being a little bit mysterious, too, but unfortunately it doesn't stay mysterious. Like they over explain it in some places and under explain it in others, which doesn't feel good. So I feel like a more coherent way of having addressed what was going on there would have felt better. The, that's one thing for sure. The only other thing that I really didn't like about the story was the girl that Kaneda has a crush on. The
1: terrorist girl. The
0: terrorist girl. So there's a lot of things I don't like about her subplot. One is that it's really odd that he happens to like see this girl that he thinks is hot in the police station. And she just happens to be someone who's ha- yeah. who is literally going to go in to try and break in to get out his best friend right. it's, it's, who got captured. Exactly. You're like, okay, that seems ridiculous. But um, my, my bigger problem. Cause I'm like, well, okay. I mean, I guess I don't really care that that's happening. But my bigger problem there was actually that later on in the film, the three, uh, prodigal kids, right? They decide that they are going to try and basically like puppet her as their avatar for like one of their attempts to stop Tetsuo. No explanation is given for this. Why did they pick her? How are they able to do that exactly? Like... They were previously sort of telepathically communicating with her to tell her how to get into the kids' room. Why were they doing that? How did they even know who she was or that they wanted her help?
1: Yeah, it's like, it's also weird because it's like, why would she be useful to stop Tetsuo? Like, you know, if you wanted to try to stop him, maybe you could have puppeted his girlfriend, who he might have had like an emotional response to. In fact, we know he would have because when he kills her, he's yeah he doesn't want to, right? Like he he does obviously care for her. So I don't know. It, yeah, it's. I agree. That one feels like one of those things that fe- it might have been explained more in like a manga, and right, and, and it just wasn't in here, and it didn't come. It didn't come across. Like maybe wh-
0: these things are happening because of that that condensing process where you have you know like they had to use the coincidence because there was some other backstory that they didn't have time for or there are really good reasons why she is pat- particularly receptive to their telepathic stuff so they need to use her they can't use someone else because of that those are all things that could easily have explanations they feel like missed opportunities in the movie because they need it need to be in there somewhere and i would add to that that i don't think it was a time constraint issue; it was just maybe not great decision making because there are other things put into this story that we don't care about we don't care about the weird like bucktooth guy and the uh, the other person with her who's like trying to plan some heist of the kids from there and he's trying to get trying to escape at the end with a big money bag and a thing full of pills none of that stuff do we have any idea what's going on in this in this movie there's not enough content with those characters we don't care about them literally
1: like two scenes with that guy and it's just like you know i get that he was probably a character in the manga and that was a whole plot line but like we don't need to see that like you say um it's we don't care about that we don't
0: care about the martial law we don't care about the the parliamentary council all of that stuff is just really underbaked in the movie and probably just should have been cut because it doesn't work you're just like Okay, we can't just have one scene with these people. I think right? I, it doesn't really work. I
1: don't mind um the military coup because I feel like it does actually kind of affect or play into the events of the ending. Right? Like I think it adds some tension to that building up to the climax where you know that you know how powerful uh Tetsuo has become and how dangerous he is. You know, the military guy has been a main, has been a character throughout that we've been following. And so I would consider him to be a main character.
0: Absolutely. And so seeing all
1: that happen, I, thought, I've, I felt like that was good.
0: To me, it just didn't work. It's like too little of that. It really wouldn't have mattered. There's no difference in the story between just them declaring martial law because Tetsuo is on the loose and them declaring martial law for some other reason. So they could have just declared martial law because was on the loose and it feels exactly the same.
1: Maybe, but I liked you know? the scene. I think the scene where they try to arrest the general guy. I don't know. I felt like that was a, it was a pretty good scene. I enjoyed that scene. It was pretty intense. Okay. I don't know. I liked it.
0: Either way, I would just say that sort of stuff, that whole thing just didn't really work for me. I In- would also
1: say that character, that general guy kind of fizzles out too. He, yes. he becomes irrelevant at the end. Yes, And it feels like, like, I don't know, missed opportunity or something like that. You've been following this character so closely for mu- for so much of the movie. And then he just doesn't play any role at the end.
0: I mean, I'm OK with that. I, I, I would say that I, I don't really have any complaints about that because it's like, yeah, he doesn't. But that's OK. I sure. mean, some people are just irrelevant to the ending. You thought, you know, he tried. He used their solar satellite to try and try. And it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, So that's the end of it. Right. And it's yeah. like I'm totally fine with that. In general, my my bigger complaint, again, is just, like, things where I was, like, I don't understand what's supposed to be happening here, like like I said, with the girl or whatever. Um, I did feel like most of the rest of the stuff, though, just generally worked. Like, I like the characterization of all the people in this. I like how the protagonists are all just pieces of shit. Yeah. Like, they're just a biker gang. They're not good they're people. They're not likable characters. They're not yeah. likable, but this is just, like, what happened to them. And that feels, like, authentic. It feels good. It felt like you were telling a story here. And and I and I, I like that. I, I especially like to call that sort of stuff out because it's the kind of thing that people don't do anymore. They, they're too scared to tell stories like that. And this was not. It was just like, that's what this is. You know, this isn't a story about good people. It's a story about regular people, real people.
1: I mean, I think I also... Canada, you know, toward the end, becomes a better person, too. I mean, I think... He does try to sort of help his friend and then, you know, realizing that he can't, you know, tries to stop him. Yeah. But I I think, you know, he becomes a more likable character. He begins doing things that are selfless and uh, obviously cares about his friend till the end. Right. Like, I I think those character moments are really nice toward the end where, you know, you kind of come to realize just how much Kaneda cares about Tetsuo you know it makes it very sad what has happened to his friend
0: absolutely and i also think that like i liked the characterization of the three little children i feel like they are interesting throughout the entire film yeah. and uh they create just a really uh, you know i liked them a lot better again i hate to keep referring to ghost and shell but they they tend to be the two anime movies people talk about um th- they just make such a much more compelling sort of uh mis- mystery mysterious figures for however you want to talk mm-hmm. about that because the you know there tends to be this sort of thing there there was that in ghost of shell as well the weird like uh hacking entity being AI being thing mm-hmm. um it just wasn't very interesting these three kids are incredibly interesting I I really liked how they kind of revealed a little bit of their backstory I like how they each kind of had they're sort of really frail and and not very capable even though they have all these powers and the way that they interact with each other and you know their relative immaturity all and then they decide to do something selfless at the end too Mm -hmm. i just liked all of that it it, again it all felt the, the reason that i enjoy this story is it all just felt like an actual story it it didn't feel like paint by numbers. It was just like mm-hmm. we're doing stuff, and that stuff is sometimes complicated and weird. And it's we we're not going to feel the need to simplify it. We're not going to feel the need to make it have any kind of a cliche ending or or cliche emotional moments. It's like, and the relationship between the two, you know, Tetsuo and Canada, is complicated and weird. It's not. What you would expect. It's like they grew up together. One of them kind of always protected the other. The other one was resentful of that. And that plays it out right through the end. But they're still buddies right till the end, even when they're fighting. And it just it felt like a good story. And yeah. I liked that.
1: And I liked how surreal it got. Yeah. You know, the ending weirdly almost gives me 2001 vibes. Yes, um, because it's like what
0: did Tetsuo become? yeah we don't know. it's like
1: you you know, the sort of idea of humanity sort of transcending into another plane of existence, kind of um which feels very sci-fi and very surreal and interesting. There's another thing with the ending that i I guess it doesn't really matter, but I did find myself a little confused about how some of these characters were surviving some of this stuff. Cause like this movie portrays violence really accurately. Yeah, Um, People
0: are dying all over the place. Yeah.
1: Like they get shot when the bridge collapses. I love that scene when the bridge collapses. It's so good. Um, and like everybody's sliding and getting crushed and it's like, these people are dying like real people. And then you get to the ending and it become the violence becomes a little like cartoonier. Um, there's even a scene where Canada is like dodging, you know, it's like very cartoony. Yeah, He's giant like rocks. Dodging yeah. do- giant rocks, and um, it it's it feels a little different tonally. Like, and how are they, you know, these giant laser beams are coming down from the sky, like how are they surviving these things? Um, I mean, I guess maybe the idea is that tetsuo or the well, children are protecting them In one
0: particular case it's very clear that tetsuo the, is, is creating a shell to protect them yes but yeah. yes that
1: one in one scene we do see that very explicitly but yeah. the rest it's like a little bit heightened and it's not that that's a bad thing it's just that it's like different from how the rest of the movie was and so i think it's a little bit that change i don't know i don't love the way that change well, feels. that is
0: kind of the part of the movie that is weakest because it contains all of the complaints that i'm talking about right it's like We don't really know why they're puppeting that girl, or why that makes why that was the most logical thing for them to be doing. We just don't really understand it. That's happening. The action appears more cartoony and less kind of relatable, less visceral than it was, and that doesn't feel great. Um, And uh, and you kind of also have this thing of we don't really understand, like. It's not really clear what the three children actually do. Like it's like, okay, they sort of re-Acura somehow. And for some reason that means we're basically having a nuclear explosion kind of thing that happens.
1: But people who get swallowed up by the nuclear explosion don't necessarily They're not die. really they're
0: not really Yeah, it's kind of more of a abstract thing where you go into this kind of ether. And then maybe you're protected by the children's powers or maybe you're not. And it's just like a lot of that stuff just doesn't feel great. It doesn't yeah. have the same kind of feeling as the rest of the movie, which kind of was more grounded and felt better. I don't mind the abstractness of the end or the dream sequences and same. stuff like that. They all felt really good. I just didn't love the way the ending just didn't feel like it raised the right kinds of questions. Is a guess I would say. 2001... The ending of that, sure, it's completely banana cakes. But it only really raises the right kind of questions, in terms of like what I want to think about after. Like they're not. It's not interesting for me to wonder like about. Oh, okay. So for some reason, Acura kind of creates this word explosion thing. Like I'm just like, that's not very interesting. Like if that's gonna be, you needed to do more work to make that interesting. Like what does that mean? What are you talking about? Like. If that's supposed to be some kind of a reference to harnessing power, you know humans harnessing power or not harnessing power or that sort of thing well
1: they were they were and they, they talk kind of, about that they were kind of saying it was like the big bang, like
0: yeah, it was the and, beginning and
1: of the universe, but like it doesn't that. really
0: make any sense because that's not what it doesn't look like that when you look at what old Tokyo looked like. it doesn't look like a big bang, it looks more like a nuclear explosion, it well, doesn't, and also
1: and also when Kanada gets like sucked into it, he doesn't die,
0: yeah, and it just so it. It's one of those things where it just doesn't quite it doesn't quite direct my attention to things that I think are worth thinking about. It kind of just has a little bit too much uh randomness to really be a good solid ending, right? And I wish they had kind of worked on that a little and made a more focused idea about what what are we thinking about here? Like, what are we really thinking about? And it can yeah. be ambiguous still, and it can be something difficult to think about. Yeah, and it can be surreal. It can be surreal. It can be all those things, but it just can't be quite so scattershot. Cause at some point it's like, well, if it's too, if it's too broad, I'm not really left thinking anything. And, and that's kind of a little bit what happens at the end of Acura. I want to be thinking about some things, but I'm not really, I'm kind of more just like, okay. Whereas, The rest of the movie doesn't really have that problem. You know, up until that point, it's pretty good about keeping me invested. What I'm thinking about, it's interesting, you know, so I I don't know. I think that's really where the movie falls apart a little bit for me. So what makes it not an amazing film in other ways? Like, it's an amazing film visually, just across the board, but it doesn't quite story wise hit that same kind of high.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if this movie was animated in the way that Ghost in the Shell was, for example, I don't think people would talk about it. I mean, maybe they would talk well, they about talk it. They talk about Ghost in the I would Shell. Say they would it's talk about it maybe kinda... in the way they talk about Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. But the thing about that makes this movie really notable uh, is the the visual experience of this movie.
0: I'm going to push back on that slightly and say no, I. Th- I think the actual movie itself is actually very good up till sort of the last yeah. thirty minutes. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because if you are comparing it to something like Ghost in the Shell, you know, Ghost in the Shell was trying to have a bunch of questions raised about like what does it mean to really exist? And like, you know, are we you know, what 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 does it mean for a non human thing to be alive? What does it mean to have for a non human thing to reproduce? Right? It was trying to raise those questions they were somewhat cerebral they were raised somewhat explicitly and the attempts to actually put real scenes in there that dealt with it didn't really work that well to me akira doesn't have that problem uh, the the idea of someone like sort of gaining these powers without understanding how to control them and, and that torture the feeling that he was the tetsuo was going through the relationship between him and Kanada, those things were good like the, it works in this movie. Yeah, it does. Those scenes work. They establish those characters really well early on, the biker gang and you know their their hangout. They establish the feel. They they create an, a a great mystery when that the first time the little boy shows up and he disappears into nothing. Like this is a way better movie than Ghost in the Shell across the board. But and it is not just because of the visuals. The actual quality of the storytelling up till about that last 30 minutes, I think is actually very good. And then it just kind of, unfortunately, I feel like it really doesn't know how to wrap that stuff up. Possibly, again, that could be because they were trying to figure out how they condense these things and couldn't quite figure out how to condense them. Or maybe there's weakness in the original material. Maybe the ending isn't that great in the original material either. I don't know which one it is. But I do think, like, I would defend this movie's first, at least first hour, as being way better than Ghost in the Shell and way better than most animated movies that you're likely to see. Actually, just in general. Very, very good, I thought. Even the storytelling. Yeah, no, 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 I
1: I would agree with that. But, But I think the thing is, you know, especially when I was watching the Japanese version with the English subtitles... I found myself getting really disengaged with the last part of the movie. Like, it's, I remember that first part, of that first hour, or whatever, so clearly. And then a lot of the stuff that happens later, other than obviously that last scene, which is really memorable, where he, where he, uh, this like body horror scene where yeah. he, that's obviously extremely memorable. Yeah. But there's this chunk of stuff that happens up until then where I'm just like, my brain kind of forgot about it.
0: Um, yeah, it gets a lot less interesting and it it's less interesting because nothing sort of like character-wise is really happening. He's just kind of like blowing up everything in the city and walking to where Akira is and that's just not very interesting. There's a long stretch of that kind of happening.
1: I think I I would have um, liked to have seen a little more done with Tetsuo's character, honestly, because what was done to him, like the fact that for so much of his life everything that's happened to him has been inflicted on him by other people sort of out outside of his control, including this, you know, this was not something that he was done with his consent, get, you know, them messing with his brain and, and giving him this power, right? He has been bullied and, and taken advantage of by people his whole life. And so, I don't know, I feel like, well, obviously this movie doesn't ignore that, right? It's definitely part of the way he behaves in the last, part of the movie i still think we could have had more there Uh,
0: yeah i mean i agree that the end of the movie like i said i think the storytelling just kind of falls apart in the end of the movie because up until that point again all the tetsuo stuff is just really good i mean we we see so many good scenes with him we see him break out of the hospital the first time sorry treat uh, research facility the first time we don't know at that point that he and the girl were sort of a thing we kind of got that idea because she was really upset that that no one knew where he went right um and so he goes back to see her that's really interesting they talk they he steals the motorcycle then they end up getting jumped by that gang and they're getting beat up and then uh Kaneda comes to save them and it's like he's mad about it but also not mad about it you know it, it, it that he's
1: he's so conflicted yeah his relationship with he, Canada is so interesting he gets
0: retaken by the um by the kids and the military dude taken back there then when we see him break out again he like goes back to the bar they used to hang out at and now he like demands things from the bartender right because he's like kind of
1: well and he kills the guy on a power
0: trip now right yeah. and and all this stuff and that all just works really well. Like, I feel like this just all works great. And so really, I feel like they really just needed to think harder about that last 30 minutes and how that was going to work. And and also the subplot line with the girl. Like, all of that stuff sort of starts to fall apart kind of at a similar time. And I, I just wish they had figured out a way to make that stuff be as tight As everything else was I mean tight's the wrong word for it because it is a more diffuse story but what I mean is tight in the sense that every scene feels like it's meant to be there up until that ending when it just kind of meanders and I feel like they were doing such a good job with such a hard thing to tell because it wasn't it's not a typical story uh, that it's just it's disappointing it's ending is disappointing because the rest of the film was setting a high bar for what they were trying to do in my opinion But that's why I said I would like to push back on it because I I feel like it actually is much better film than Ghost in the Shell, uh, not just because of the visuals. Yeah,
1: no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know that I have much more to say.
0: Yeah, no, I I think it's one of those ones where I I wish we had gotten more from it, but what we did get from it is more than enough to recommend watching this film um, because I, I do think it's like, it it both defined, I think, a particular thing and also still remains as the paradigmatic high watermark, almost. Like, yeah. people have done this afterwards and they just didn't do it as well. I mean, I
1: think also it it's one of those movies that feels timeless because the quality of the animation is so good. Like, everything looks so consistent that this movie feels The, the talent
0: and effort put into this movie is is really kind of off the charts uh and i do think it's one of the few like a lot of these movies are not animated i think every frame right they were not 24 frames a second i think this anime one, is, this one o- is was. often
1: quite a bit lower frame rate often than what we're lower. used to in western animation and
0: i i believe this one's 24 frames per second in a lot of the shots and it it it's remarkable because again. A lot of times when we think about 24 frames per second, which is basically full frame rate animation for film, we're thinking about a lot less being animated on the screen than what they are animating here. We're not thinking about 24 frames a second fully detailed motorcycles with people riding on them who every line of their clothing is being animated. That is just not what we normally see. We we normally see for 24 frames a second uh, animation in movies much more stylized like, or, or I shouldn't say stylized, much more reduced or simplified, simplified drawings. And so to see something like this where you're getting a lot of shots that look like they're at 24 FPS, it's just remarkable. And and uh, yeah, I don't know where else you go to see something like this. It's this or nothing, basically.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I don't know how you would have gotten this far into the podcast without having watched the movie, but if you haven't watched the movie, go watch the movie.
0: Yeah, it's uh, highly recommended. Everyone should see this film if you, if you ca- like... If you like animation or you like uh, bleak future, cyberpunk, any anything, anywhere near any of that stuff, this is kind of a must-see film just for the experience of it. Even if you don't really end up loving it, it's just it kind of has to be seen so you know.
1: I would also say don't don't beat yourself up for watching the English dub, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Don't beat yourself up. No, I think the English dub is totally fine. It's
1: totally fine.
0: I have watched the Japanese dub multiple times, and I've watched the English dub this one time. And I would say, like, my understanding of the movie didn't really change between the two, but I do appreciate not having to dart down to the bottom of the screen. Oh, all it's the time. so much
1: better. The experience is so much better. You can actually like get absorbed in the movie and the scenes and what's happening, not yeah. have to to read. I don't think generally that reading subtitles is is the best movie watching experience. It's just not. Um, like obviously, especially no, you would li- never in, want In to live do it, action yeah. especially, I know you can't really dub it very effectively. Animation, it's a lot easier to dub it effectively. And it's like, just watch it that way. It'll be closer to the experience that the filmmaker intended. It really will. I know that I think yeah. the idea with watching a, like one that's subtitled is that you're somehow watching the authentic, true version. But I guess I would argue that if, if the dub is well done, or at least competently done, you will have a better experience and an experience closer to what the filmmaker wanted than if you have to read subtitles.
0: I agree. I think probably the reason that people don't like to watch with subtitles. Um, I'm sorry. Don't like to watch with dubs and prefer subtitles is because uh, there have just been too many really atrocious dubs. Right. And that's the problem is that now I think people are scared. <laughs> they're, I sc- get that. they're scared that they're going to get the really lousy dub. Right. And so, uh, In this particular case, it is not a horrific dub. It's totally watchable. And so for a movie that's this visual, I would totally agree with you. I think watch the Blu-rays, whatever the Blu-rays dub is, uh, that it's totally watchable. And it allows you to watch the actual frames, which are gorgeous and people slaved over. Uh, So I would recommend it too.
1: Yeah. So that's Akira.
0: Yes. What is next? What is after Akira?
1: So next week is going to be... Metropolis, which neither of us have seen.
0: By Fritz Lang.
1: Fritz Lang. (laughs) So that's going to be really interesting. That's obviously an extremely famous movie. This is a piece
0: of film history that we just, for whatever reason, never saw. So this will be an interesting uh, fill in the gaps for Casey and Anna's film history. That's right. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I have no idea what to expect because sometimes... There's a classic film and you watch it and you are like, yep, I get why that's classic. Other times it's a classic film. You watch it and you'll be like, that was not worth it at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, maybe in context, this is worth it, but not really. Right. And so I have no idea what we're going to get here. Uh, it could go either way. So I'm very interested to see what uh, we make of Metropolis. So that should be a lot of fun.
1: All right. Well, until then, see you on the Internet.
0: Take it easy, everybody.
1: Bye.